0: Share
1: it up. All right, we are live. Good Alive evening, villagers.
0: Yeah, so,
2: good morning, good evening, good night. Let's try to mm-hmm. share up the live as soon as people come in. Mean, just share up the live. Let me see. Okay, I got my, my update there. Hold on there, fellas. Heights room. Nice, too bad. All right, we are live. You must get the echo.
1: <laughs> you must mm-hmm. get the echo. <laughs> If we get an echo, then it's not we. Then it's not a good start to the show, exactly.
2: No, not at exactly. all.
1: So, how are we doing there, fellas? How are everybody keeping in the neck of the woods? Well, I'm alive. As a man gave out little Pfizer dose yesterday. Yeah, big boy. Yeah. <laughs> Bill, Bill Gates talking to me in my sleep hunting. You're inside the window, there. Uh, yeah, inside the window, Pfizer. Well, it's all we, right. We Mom, can't I'll get them things here. Thing.
2: I hear you, brother. I hear you. Well, well, we have anybody up inside yet?
1: Yeah, now people now started to crawl in and think there, man. All
2: mm-hmm. right. Lovely, lovely, lovely. Well, good night, villagers, once again, and welcome to another edition of Heights Room Live. And joining us tonight, we have Dennis Ramdas on the show tonight. Dennis is a software developer for VMware, a tech company out of the San Francisco Bay Area. He's here tonight hard. to talk to us about artificial intelligence. So welcome Dennis. Thanks, thanks. You were saying something there, Did I did I get something wrong there?
1: No, you get correct correct. Palo Alto, California. Yes. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Right, 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 right,
1: right. Big boys, big boys. big boy. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Zuckerberg and Bill and them making, making COVID vaccine for, you know, to track yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs>
2: so, so, Dennis, before we get into our roundup, because you know these days we're doing you know, a roundup before last week, we had the good, bad and the ugly. But just now we go check this. But tell me um, a little bit about what going on with the COVID situation there now, Dennis. Like, um, how are the restrictions easing up? Like, where's the real wood on the ground there?
3: Yeah, so right now, uh, stuff kind of opening back up. So uh, across... America, you saw the, the CDC update uh, the guidance that you don't need a uh, mask, basically kind of paving the way for states and counties to, to relax the mask mandate kind of as vaccination numbers uh, go up and COVID cases go down. So California on target to remove the mask mandate on June 15th, uh, outdoors, indoors, everywhere. Well, we're wow, far away deep. from that, brother, but that's, that's, <laughs> that's nice to
2: hear, man. That's nice to hear. That, that yeah. really goes to show us the power of the vaccination process, you yeah. know, the power of planning and, and executing in terms of the vaccination process. So that's really, really good news. So what we're going to do now, people, before we get into the, the AI heights with our boy Dennis, is just want to take a little round about what we have going on for the last week or so in our segment call Check This. Alright. So, so now we're going to check this. We're we working on it. So right now we have yeah. checked
1: this. All check right? this. Dennis, don't <laughs> have fans, fans in the comments already, Dennis. Right. Mm-hmm. Check it out. Check, check it out. It out. Check check out. It out.
2: <laughs> so the first thing I want to touch on is that it looks like if we're going to be under a state of emergency for the next three months. Now, the last thing we heard was that they are going to debate it in Parliament, which is supposed to be on Monday. Since then, I have not really heard anything. I don't know if anybody heard anything. I have not seen a report or anything. So I'm guessing it's up, it's in the process, it's in the works, and they're going to have their probably um, just like a majority in the Parliament, and it's going to be an extra one. So we, we're looking at the next three months, more or less, for the state of emergency in Trinidad and Tobago. So I hope that everybody is getting accustomed to the cabin fever and all of that that is going on with the state of emergency. I mean, mm. people still out during the day. Um, speaking of people still being out during the day, today we had a bit of a, a situation at the the Karani cremation site. Um, I don't know if people saw what happened there, but I was really taken aback and a lot of people had a lot of things, different things to say about it. But what we really had there was that you had people to be cremated and the bodies weren't being allowed into the cremation site. So you could only imagine the back that, that was. And from what I am gathering is that the Tuna Puna Regional Corporation closed the cremation site yeah. um, even before people reached. So let's see. What you think about if you, is a man, carry your loved One to the cremation site, and when you reach there, time to do your last rites, it lock up and they tell you a car coming. What, what going through your head there?
0: Well, to me I think people people ought to be fair that it always have two sides to a story, yeah. And mm-hmm. at the end of the day, I mean, we don't know because there was plenty, plenty police and thing was there. They mm-hmm. basically said, it too. up when a CEO say close mm-hmm. it down. Um and they say they had the passes and everything. But, you know, I mean you also had to look to read between the lines that yes they had the passes, but was there another reason that you know, the officers on them say, well, listen, all of your can come true. Now, at the end of the day, it's something that a lot of people will say is denying, you know what I mean, basic human rights to be able to, you know, bury your loved ones and that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, but
3: cremate it theory. seems
0: almost, yeah, cre- cremate, right? But then it's almost like you're seeing effects of this lockdown, effects of this SOE starting to trickle over into the more basic things, which mm-hmm. you know what I mean is, is what it is. A really is a question of excessive force. Force not necessarily meaning physically lock, physically locked down and, and and you know violence, but in this case, blocking off public facilities. You know what mm-hmm. I mean because I mean for a CEO to lock down something like that, they also need um, you know they also need approval from the council. You know what I mean yeah. so the question is, did the chairman of the tuna puna corporation approve that position you what I'm saying. And, yeah, I, you know
2: yeah i, I just think that's so, how you know it really if to me i think that um that people are saying you know well it had overcrowd you know whatever but be that as it may you have people arriving seven people so mismanagement first thing is the first thing is mismanagement for allowing seven people to book that's the corporations right, right? the next mismanagement right. is if it is that people you know that the piles and thing are there have something in mm. place to tell people by the gate, we only allow the, the people who do any rights, which is a handful of people. You understand? Right. A handful mm. of people are going to do the rights and you could pick sense from nonsense, I say. So, you know, because mm. I think that is really, really like a real inhumane thing, I would say, to, mm. to 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 lock up the gates on people who in that stage, I mean, I like saying, that's how, okay, there are too much people outside, you can't come and make a child inside the hospital or some kind of it's like that. Nah. You know what I mean? It's, it's, it's like, you have to mm. kind of understand when, it, when you have to, okay, just, Big sense of nonsense, but again, I don't know what really is was the mandate and what was the reason for it. So, again, we'll have to see what comes out any more reports about this. All right, mm-hmm. um, with that being said, I want to talk now. Now, people would say that oh you know, there's all these agendas and things going on with the COVID. and then we had our um woman warrior of Trinan Tobago, Vicky, the activist,
0: who mm-hmm. jumped
2: out, jumped out literally of herself, right? Mm-hmm. She jumped out of herself and she she said she's going to cough down Rowley. She's going to cough down the Al Singh. And that's how Indian people, UNC areas, so mm-hmm. Indian people are being negatively affected by the coronavirus and they are dying. And why is that? And it was like, how, everybody was like, I think everybody had to stop for a second and wonder what's mm. going on with this woman, like really and truly not. Because like, the, from, from saying you're going to cough down the prime minister and the minister of health, so then saying right. that COVID is attacking UNC people more than other yeah. people. I guess what she was trying to say is that something to do with, like, they're not getting treatment or something. But that does not, there's no data to support that now.
0: Yeah, you know? it's, it's, it's frustration, cutter. I mean, if, if, if you listen to the lady rant, right? And I mean, that is what it was. It was a rant. To me, mm-hmm. I haven't seen that level of incoherent ranting for a while. And, I mean, it come at a time when, you know, the SOE just, just come in. So, to me, I look at it as a cry for help, to be quite honest with you. Because it sounded to me like, you know I mean, like many other people, they just at their wits end. They, they just don't know what to do anymore. And, and they're just in a state of, you know, disarray. I mean, to reach a point where you say, I want to cough down the... I, I mean, yeah, you're yeah, yeah, thinking at that time. You know, what I,
2: yeah. Mean? Yeah, I, think. I, I I I hear you, but I think that this is how this person is because she is apparently, you know, <laughs> well, a, <I> <laughs> a, a vlogger, you know, and she. Mm quoted her friends when she made a somewhat of an apology video. She quoted people who she mm. she say was there with her, like Marcia, Brave Boy, and so on, and Jason De Silva, who are known mm. UNC vloggers, if you want to call them that, they are known UNC mm. vloggers, although she says she's not a UNC vlogger. So it's kind of like, so who are really trying to fool really. And truly, this is like, you know, it's it's right. very politically charged, and it's, it goes right. to show you just how dangerous, when given a platform, people can take the narrative now. You know, yeah, it's not it's not a good place to take the narrative, but this is what is this mm-hmm. what we're dealing with every day. So I mean yeah. it, there is frustration, but there also you have to you're big and you have sense as they say now, but apparently not, <laughs> not the case. All right? So we're yeah. moving on. So being big and having sense, Mr. Rowley says that the vigils for Andrea Barrett mm-hmm. are to blame for the COVID spike. Now, um, is there any uh, well, let me not even get to that, right? Let me not even get to if there are any data about what crowds causing, because obviously I would say that any kind of gathering, which is why we have the measures, causes spikes. And there were a lot of vigils, but ask answer me this: anybody in the comments, when we were having the vigils, right? Wouldn't wasn't it more or less business as usual in the malls in Trinidad? in the food courts, mm-hmm. in, food having, court. car show, having car show in C3, was there a lot mm-hmm. of other gatherings happening all over that weren't exactly the vigils? And when you go, went to a vigil, was there any rum drinking? Was there any um, body without masks? I, I, I went to yeah. one and it was very, very, very... Now, at the same time, there were a lot of people at the one and I can't see that there is a, a case can be made that this type of activity would have helped the spread. But to mm-hmm. call out the vigils, I find that very kind of... Again, it's... It yeah something it, I, I
0: don't know. It, 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 it was distasteful. It was distasteful yeah. because to mm-hmm. me, um, I mean, you only have to go to a few parliamentary sessions to realize when, when you know you have to start to scratch your head and think, well, these are the people running we Yeah, know what I'm saying? Because of the because of the level of conversation that, that going through. So to me, it's nothing more than than tit for tat, everybody going along in the mud, and you know, everybody going going at one another for this thing. But yeah. we had to be clear to bring things back out with respect to the data. You understand? And that is a picture that we have up there, which is the data, right? But mm-hmm. on top of that data showing exactly when the cases would have spiked and when the major events would mm-hmm. have happened, you also had a similar situation playing out in the U.S. Um, and maybe Dennis could shed a, a small light on this, where um, at a certain point in time, Trump was actually uh, attacking the Black Lives Matter movements and the riots that was happening in different in different states, saying that they are going to act as super spreaders. But later on, a few months later, scientists actually did the research and found that these events, these cities where these riots happened, actually didn't have major spikes in, in cases. Dennis, where's, where's the view of U.S. in terms of, uh, in, in the U.S., given that you all have it solo, solo in California with respect to these, these mass gatherings.
3: Yeah. So I think like, yeah, there was some politicizing of, of whether the like BLM riots did contribute to cases rising and things like that. And like you mentioned, I think they did analysis and they found that that wasn't the case and there were super spreader events that were related to political rallies or certain gatherings. But I think o- overall, um, a lot of the data showed that these, out, in general, outdoor events did not spread as much as uh, congregating indoors. There were right. like high profile super spreader events where they were able to know that someone tested positive and right. and s- symptomatic and was able to spread. But in, in general, um, a lot of the data showed that the large outdoor gatherings did not uh, contribute as much. Right. Okay. I hear you. Makes sense. Um
2: moving on. We have an unverified story. So we wouldn't we wouldn't bring up that one, as we said, we wouldn't bring up that one. So let's bring up this one. The latest coronavirus comes from dogs. All right. Now don't get too um frightened of Rex and Frisky, and I'm at home right now. But this <laughs> is a newly identified coronavirus that I believe it's in Malaysia, Leslie. I believe yes, uh, and what yeah. what what they're saying is it was transferred. From um the dog that it was it was in the dog and it was transferred to a child that was the, the child has right. presented symptoms of the coronavirus that was present in the dog. Now there are many types of um coronaviruses. So it's not to say COVID was in this dog, so let's not get carried away. But at the same time, this is what we have to take into consideration when we think about these uh diseases and these viruses and how they spread is. We kind of sometimes forget that all living things carry these things now, you know.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and I mean, it's also to, to keep in mind that these things are zoonotic viruses that, you know, the conversation so as Dennis and they, I think, probably in a very advanced stage of their exit strategies from, you know, it's almost like a set set a set stage that you have to go through Qatar, where it's like, you know, your population get vaccinated, your cases drop to a certain point, uh, things gradually start to return to normal and whatnot. But the, the key thing that this article was pointing out is that with these viruses, it never... You, you always have to stay vigilant, you know what I mean? Because it, it, it as, this, as the research continues, certain things will pop up. So in this one, what they're saying is that, that apparently had a combination of two known canine coronaviruses, and it contained fragments of both a cat and a pig coronavirus. So it's it's very advanced. You know, it's it's, it's not simple science, and and the nature of zoonotic viruses are actually quite advanced. So it's something where even when you finish uh, your exit strategies, don't feel, well, you know what I mean? Back to the fetting. Yeah, you no. Know, it's, it's a very sensitive thing that you're always had to stay close to the science in order to guide how, how you move into the next stage.
2: And I think I think because of COVID, we actually now taking on these kind of things. We we should we should see that there's a new kind of emphasis on paying attention to things like this. Because remember, when COVID now busts in China, nobody was even taking it on. You know what I mean? So right, these, this true. this arm. So this. This, these stories that would have so this same story would have happened and nobody would have think about it because you know we wasn't suffering from no coronavirus you know what I mean but now we yeah. understand how much we have to pay attention to, to these zoonotic viruses. Um, moving on, so something that really really good to hear you know it, that happened over the last week Israel um, and members of Hamas and Palestine agree ceasefire. All right, so I'm well, at one point in time in the future in the coming near coming future we should be able to have a uh, episode to really break down what is really going on in israel and and Palestine um but we all would have seen the kind of um violence that would have occurred right all the bombs and so on that were that will that would, that would pelt in to and fro between Israel and Palestine over the last few weeks and um the ceasefire has occurred I think that what people don't know is that oh, there were also a lot of um People who took action to get the Israel forces to kind of back back as well, you know, on, on the Palestinian side in terms of their um, their unions and so on, encouraging people to stop and strike and not, not purchase and that kind of thing and kind of hold the economy a bit. And all that is a uh, Israel um, you know, is things you wouldn't hear, hear about mm-hmm. as much because of the nature of the media and so on. but um. Is good is is always a good thing to hear when when the ceasefire when these things happen because you know war yeah it is not suffer. the answer you know what I mean um mystery box addiction moving on the mystery box addiction that is sweeping China is killing innocent pets let's see talk to me about this thing now no use the animals man you know use the yeah. use the zula so come now yeah, let me right. hear let me hear about um let me hear so, about I mean, this thing
0: people I don't understand that you know the economy evolving with this coronavirus situation. And the reality of what going on in China right now is that consumption spiking. But if you think about it, I mean, I know I'm not with unlimited money, but many people in that situation. So if they're in this situation and they run out of things to buy an Amazon, the question is, where's is the next fad? This article is to basically say, be careful about where the next fad is. So this fad that's going on in, in, in China right now is something called a mystery box. And it's basically people take it from one step to another, where initially it was like you just buy a mystery box at a certain price and you get a surprise of a diff- series of different items. Cannot Until work in Trinidad. And then, on t- exactly, because you you know, all, all kind of thing, you know what I mean? You, you Cannot work in Trinidad. <laughs> and then all of a sudden now, people finding dogs, live animals in, in this thing. And, and apparently, it, it, the demand is, is, is super high. You understand? Know, so people if the mystery if if the mystery if the mystery box reach earlier um careful all you all you support that because you don't know where that coming from and what kind of stress these 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 things going through yeah, powers so. powers
2: be yourself now powers <laughs> be yourself <bit> please <laughs> right um, the, uh, let's see take take, take take that image off the screen from a boy. i can't, can't, can't really take that on too much right yeah, yeah, that, yeah, yeah yeah that that's crazy bro that's crazy so again as you say, you have to be careful where you're falling into which which father. I car try. You tell your brother send your box, but I tell everyone said, say partner, <laughs> keep your box partner. Wait up, it have a ham. I take taking that right? It have money. I send in a box, but door. let study where inside it. Partner, not me. Partner, I don't know how you how out your cooking. Anyway, <laughs> um, so I think that we could round up our our check mm-hmm. this segment for this week so you know mm-hmm. people you can always suggest to us what you think we should check out today people actually brought some of these topics to me you know about the um about the situation with the cremation site and so on so I, i'm glad people reach out to us and let us know hey we should check this out right so please always keep that communication line open um so we're moving on now to our guest and the reason why he is here so dennis Tell us a little bit about yourself and how you
3: came into software development. Yeah. So yeah, my name is Dennis. Uh, went to Naprima College with uh, with these fine gentlemen here. You so classmates with uh, with Shankar. let see here. Uh, so at, at actually when I was at Naps, I started uh, programming and doing software development. So I kind of started it. As a hobby on my own, and really, I started it um, kind of just taking my father's old programming books that he had from from when he did his degree in in UWE. Uh, so figuring out how to program in Pascal, did IT for for CXC, uh, represented Trinidad in the International Olympics uh, for informatics. So that was the the programming Olympics, if you will. Um,
1: nice. What did you guys place in that competition?
3: Ah, uh, so it was a, I, I think it was an individual competition, but um, did not medal. I'll just leave it. Uh, that. Okay, okay, okay. Well, let me let
1: me just jump you from this thing. There.
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you're rich, right? You're rich, you're reach, yeah. right? <laughs> and then
3: um, yeah. So I I went to, to MIT for for university and and studied computer science. Uh did a bachelor's there and then also a master's in computer science and then immediately after started uh, started my career as a software developer nice
1: how long have you have how much years you've been in software development
3: uh, so i graduated know. with my master's in 2009 so this would be ah, okay. 12 years yeah
1: at the same company or you move around and things like
3: that i uh, move around so i i interned at a few different companies so interned at google worked a little bit on uh, google maps in the the early days so one of, one of the features I worked on as an intern was um, being able to, to drop a pin and add a description. So that was the very oh, early days. That's <laughs> <dare>
0: you,
3: you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, that, that, that was the game, and yeah. Um, yeah, and then uh, after that, I went to this company called NetApp, so they uh, specialize in data storage, was there for four years, joined a startup uh, that did uh, cloud computing was there for four years and then that that startup got acquired by vmware BMW. which have been at for the last three years
1: nice 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 so you move around a lot that's mm-hmm. good so for the layperson like myself and whoever not familiar with it what is generally what is ai what is AI?
3: yeah so artificial intelligence is basically um how to program intelligence into computers and, and machines. So uh, right now, so if if we consider what computers can do right now, it's basically what we tell it to do, what we program it to do. And that's kind of the, the simple thing that we have right now. But as we transition towards utilizing more of what computers are good at, so it's good at processing many things at once, it's good at storing a lot of data, things like that. So we want to leverage that to be able to find modes of intelligence that computers are better than humans at. And computers are able to recognize patterns in in data. So that is kind of the main gist of of machine learning and then built upon that is artificial intelligence. So human intelligence is based on a bunch of different things, um, including pattern matching and figuring out how to um, model problems. So artificial intelligence is trying to take that uh, level of intelligence and translate it into computer systems and computer programs.
1: Okay, and this is where like your software development skills and background come into play?
3: So software development is like a wide range. So AI is is one particular piece of it. So
1: there are
3: people who will focus on on the AI aspect of it, but there's like a whole like industry of, of software. Okay, cool.
2: cool so cool. Do, do you um, work on, as as we said, so you said there's a, a big a big umbrella for software development. Do you
3: work at projects dealing with AI specifically? Uh, so some of them. So uh, hmm. primarily what I work on is data center software. So think of a, a data center that run in, so the software that's able to manage the storage and, and compute for that. Right. And then in, right. in certain projects and subclasses of problems, you would want to apply machine learning techniques, artificial intelligence techniques. Right. So I'll, I'll give you a simple example, like for mm. um, if, if, if customers are running out of storage, you want to be able to predict when they'll run out of storage, how to like dynamically provision. Right. So you can think of like very simple ways to do it, to use an X number of gigabytes a day or whatever, but then- right. That's a good thing for me. I, I think can what me day. Yeah, <laughs> so you actually want to model as much as you could to, to be able to predict things like that. So that's where a whole set of data that you can learn from will be there and artificial intelligence will be building it into the system. So they, you are able to dynamically allocate for them, for example. So that's a very like simple example of, of those kinds of techniques applied there. Okay. 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 So what's, what's, what
1: is your thought from your like as knowledge or experience, we talking AI, the big man in the business, is Elon Musk and what he's doing with Neuralink? From your understanding, what is Neuralink?
3: Yeah, so like first of all, I probably like take some contention with like Elon being like the big man in the business. Like he is. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, go ahead. Let me know about all that too. Yeah, I mean, like uh, I think Elon, like uh, obviously, is like one of the world's well known well known technologists. He has his uh tools in a lot of different things, you know, SpaceX, Tesla, he started at PayPal, um, and, and Neuralink is kind of his, his foray into the artificial intelligence, but uh, I think there are like a number of like both industry veterans in the AI space and researchers who have been there longer than him. So I would say Elon is trying to, to productize this and, and push the, the frontiers on that.
1: Okay, okay, fair enough, fair enough. So i know what what is your thoughts on Neuralink itself and what he's doing there? Is that good, uh, bad? No uh, matter what you're thinking.
2: Well, Dennis, as a person who
3: might know more than a lot of the viewers in terms of what it is, what is Neuralink? Yeah, so let's start there. So um yeah, you know, Shankar reached out to me and asked asked it, let's talk about Neuralink, like go deep on this, right? So mm-hmm. Neuralink is what uh it's a company that Elon started, and their main product that they're trying to push and have demoed is uh, implantable brain device that could be used uh, to gather data, but also potentially be able to control different parts of your body or different parts of computers. So um, if you look at the website and the videos, you'll see a lot of uh, kind of flashy marketing. and. Uh, mm-hmm. And promo videos for it, but that is essentially what it is. So how Elon promotes it is—it's it's a Fitbit inside your brain. So that's kind of, um, yeah. So <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah. My neural link need resetting right now. Cause I what you <laughs> went on there. Right. But, okay. 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 That's that's fine. That's fine. So, what are like? Are there any? I guess, competition to Neuralink or anything similar to Neuralink going on right now from your knowledge?
3: Yeah. So let, let's talk a little bit about like the core technology and like we break down the pieces sure. and then we can kind of say who sure. are the competitors, right? So uh, like this is in the space. So one of the things that Neuralink does is uh, it tries to record and analyze uh, neural data. So neural data is data uh, from neurons in, in your brain. So trying to make sense of those electrical signals, right? So we know they exist. We've all kind of seen like brain scans. You can kind of see neural activity in different parts of the brain. Uh, so Neuralink tries to capture that. So um, there's a whole bunch of other companies and researchers that's able to gather this data and they are like invasive and non-invasive ways of, of doing it, right? So Neuralink is obviously invasive. It's a, a embedded uh, embedded like battery sized device in right. in your brain so th- there are competitors in that space but i think uh elon is trying to make uh kind of a complete product of, out of it so something that's in your brain that able to get the data but then also able to make decisions on it and to transmit it wire- wirelessly to uh, computers or machines
0: right right, so, right 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 yeah okay 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 so- so, so Dennis, in, in, in a situation like this, um, just to put perspective for what, uh, you know, people looking at right now on the screen is essentially, uh, from my understanding, it's a high bandwidth application for, um, for let me see, a scalable high bandwidth BMI system, right? And, and what he's advertising with that is essentially you would normally use your thumbs and whatnot to basically typing things, but uh, this is giving the example of where it's actually training your mind um, uh, to use this Bluetooth link um, to be able to control the phone wirelessly. Um, There's a lot of parameters that comes with something like that. One of the things he's saying is that he's looking at um, beginning human trials by the end of the year. Being in the space, Dennis, is that is that just marketing, or is it that he re- the technology has really reached a point where he could start testing on that? You know, is Silicon Valley there?
3: Yeah, so that, I would think that the answer to that, in kind of the layperson's uh, viewpoint, would be no. Like that has mm-hmm. a big marketing asterisk versus it. So what he's trying to get, like FDA approval for, is embedding the device in in like five people, right? Which um, I In terms of human trials, so there are a lot of different parts of this trial, and part of it is being able to safely do the insertion and gather data, so that is like step one. So that might be possible by the end of this year to have an implantable device that tries to record stuff. Now there are many different parts to being able to transmit wirelessly over Bluetooth, like those things. So I think there's like a long runway of, of features there. Uh, mm-hmm they are trying to get to the point where they can have an FDA approved embeddable device in your brain. And there is like some precedent for that. So like, you know, um, there are pacemakers in your heart, right. but for right. people who have Parkinson's disease, there are like neural simulators that you can embed in, in your brain that will, um, uh, like neurally stimulate. So I think the next progression into that is being able to embed something that could record as well.
0: So, so I think in, in, in terms
3: of it, it is it is on your roadmap, I believe, and that that could be short term. But in terms of like, trialing somebody with this app, I think that's,
0: yeah, mm-hmm.
3: fair enough. Mm-hmm. In in your as you kind of like in more in this space, now I heard
1: some criticisms of Elon and the Neuralink folks in terms of their lack of publishing data on what they're doing. Is that like a real thing? Do they not publish? Do they publish and people just don't know where to look, or what is your experience or thoughts on
3: that yeah so i think like a, a lot of the the competition in this space is, is in the medical community and the research community and they are more used to uh, an open uh, collaborative uh, system Whereas elon is in kind of the startup world where a lot of proprietary information you're trying to get funding you're trying to build a business so certainly like yeah a bunch of it is is secretive and i think there is rightful concern from from the ai community and and the wider health and uh wellness community about uh what Neuralink is doing
0: okay
1: okay fair enough fair, yeah.
3: enough,
1: fair enough so like but, sorry go ahead Alessi, go ahead
0: yeah um so so dennis tell me something is it i mean elon is trying to i mean with that spacex all this stuff he's basically looking towards making a lot of these science fiction fantasies you know as real as 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 quickly as possible right that's the reality um but of course with doing that there's a lot of concerns about ethics and that kind of thing along the way um that would crop up um if you do put a bluetooth device in your head let's say you get you become successful the Neuralink is 500 and you know it'll allow you to keep your your academic um you know focus, with and sharpness well into your 80s and 90s. Let's say that's what it's advertising. Um, is there a possibility of that being hacked?
3: Yeah, for, for sure. I mean, like, uh, even just current technology, outdated technology that we have right now are very susceptible to hacks. Uh, the ethics for it is not figured out. I mean, even something as, like, tracking clicks on Facebook, which is, you know, tech that's been around for many years. Like, they don't have good policies around it though that data is not safeguarded. So definitely, like, the the governance of that data is, is well behind, like, where the tech could be. So that definitely calls for huge concern there. Mm-hmm. Fair
0: enough. So, so then why would... I mean, because it's 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 twofold, right? Because Elon is what? Elon is about 60, 60 years, somewhere around there, maybe 50 and 60, somewhere around there. So, no.
2: Um, no, 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 no. I don't know, but he's not check, successful.
0: Check, 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 check that. Um, yeah, I uh, was checking that out. Yeah. Um, oh, 49. This, 49. He had a mini-40s, though. He had a 40s In 40s. 49. 49, right? <laughs> um, you know, he, he obviously is looking at himself as, you know, like in his prime now. And one of the big, uh, you know, things that, that came up from since 1956 to now is this concept of transhumanism and being able to move uh past the singularity what what i mean i just understand it from this diagram being when machine intelligence past human intelligence and you can't go back the key thing is that you can't go back so all of the you know they say well you know cell phones you're already a cyborg in your cell phone and stuff but to me i could throw away my cell phone now and go back to uh beginning so it's just an addiction then um but with Neuralink. You, you get a sense that it's it, it has some irreversibility to it. Does that mean it dovetails a little closer with the singularity concept?
3: Yeah, I think, like, there, there is, like, a wide range of opinions of, like, the singularity, how it will happen, if it will happen, timelines. And I think, yeah, like, this is definitely accelerated along that path. Um, and I think... uh in in my opinion it probably still won't happen in in our lifetimes um right. i I think a lot of things need to happen and a lot of things need to go right i think that's the other thing that people uh, underestimate is that uh, a lot of advancement have to be has to be made and a lot of mistakes have to not be made in order for this to progress upon itself um but yeah I mean like you brought up elon's age and I think yeah like that's probably on his mind this uh this mm. transhuman uh, <laughs> Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah, but Mm -hmm. moving out, moving out away a bit from Elon and and Neuralink, right? Um, Because you know, we we, as you said, it might not be in in our lifetime. We might might see some of these things come to pass, right? But or come to pass, sorry. But um, when it comes to AI, what are the practical? uses of AI right now, or like low, low, a lower level of AI? Is there any AI right now in things that we, we are exposed to in, you know, in daily life? Would you say that there's any AI right now that people are exposed to?
3: Yeah, and I think it's, it's not just in technology, right? So like machine mm-hmm. learning, is, I kind of think as the, the prerequisite for, for artificial intelligence. But right. for example, like genome sequencing is like a solved problem that's very fast now. And Actually, a lot of the vaccine development, uh, people are able to develop vaccines against viruses that don't exist already, and that's because they're able to, you know, like run out the entire gamut of like this. Is, these are all the things. So if you if if you think of that as like predictive technology, like that that yeah. is one example. Right?
2: Yeah, I would say definitely that those those things are, are you know pretty much AI. You know what I mean? Machine yeah. the, the machine learning and so on. So and would you say that um when it comes to operating systems like uh like siri and so on right that we would see within the next let's say decade
3: these things becoming more powerful in the way it's integrated into our daily lives and so on yeah i think for sure like many people mentioned in in the comments i think like you know facebook recommendations like siri recommendations all these things are examples of ai and they're still a little bit uh, immature in that they can't make very like deep recommendations, but Google Assistant, all of those things, those are kind of the, the forefront of consumer tech uh, AI, but I, I think like having uh, basically uh, a virtual assistant fully functional capability functional. Is, is something that is on the horizon. The,
2: it has AI on machine learning um, made humans obsolete in any way
3: in terms of the, the job market and all of that so i i would say it, it's it's changed the job market a bit uh in terms of jobs that that could be automated that uh, human intelligence is better replaced by something that could remember better or store more mm-hmm. data like we have definitely seen that um so yeah sure, I, I think Wait it has evolved. I I would not say obsoleted,
1: but yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But so, so would AI be able, And I don't mean there's no way, but would AI be able to like replace your job or your experience in terms of like software development? Could the AI code for itself in future then? Is that a Yeah, I
3: mean, they they already have like many algorithms that like self-learn or or able to, you know, like programs that write other programs. That's kind of already widely known. Um I think the part of a job of being a software engineer is like realizing how to move on to the next level of reasoning and, and understanding and like evolving in like I started off my career writing these type of programs, but that's you know like that's a given now. So like how do I design programs at another level that handles these, right? So you continually have to keep moving up up the stack and being able to utilize that in your in your tool set as a software developer. Right, right, right. When, um, when um,
2: well, you want to take a turn.
1: No, so I was, was going to ask, as you kind of say, with the software, writing software editing. Are we here, like, I guess, police agencies making use of of AI photos and things mm-hmm. like that, and the possible consequences coming out of it? What are some of the like negative things? this outside of the obvious ones that you kind of predict see coming or maybe that you have experience in in working with AI and software in general?
3: Yeah, so I think like uh, a lot of it is like our challenges faced right now with, with data privacy, how to anonymize data, how to fit that into current kind of rules, regulations, concepts or notions of, of privacy. Like do I own what, uh, what I clicked on, like different things like that. So I think like a lot of interesting, like borderline ethics questions come in there. Uh, and then also with this like new treasure trove of data, like security of them, uh, who is able to view them? That's that's also a huge uh, challenge there. Okay. So we, okay. We
2: are going to have um, Just letting people know, we are going to have a question comment segment at the end, which is not too far from now. So I've seen Butch and things, So Butch, if you could just bring it back a little later as well. We'll look for it if you're not here, but still, if everybody could hold their, co- their questions from the question comment segment comment. we're going to have, sure. right? Yeah. 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 Um, when, when I think, about, when I think about, about AI, you know, maybe not being a programmer, or anything like that, and not being somebody sure. versed in the in the topic. you know, Much of what I know about it is what I would have seen in film and read in literature. I mean, it has been, been um, something um, that, has been that has been at the forefront of, of science fiction and think for so long. I see somebody in the comments mention something about the Twilight Zone and AI and all of that. Um, and, you know, when, when you think about movies like 2001, A Space Odyssey, the things like The Terminator, you know, you, you see all these different um, expectations of ai and the dangers of ai but i think that something you're touching on just now is uh, a current danger of ai and machine learning which is this this um this t- issue of surveillance capitalism do you have any thoughts on the issue of of surveillance capitalism and the fact that there's so much um of this machine learning get towards looking at our data, get towards looking at our consumer choices, get towards making a profile of us. What's what's your thoughts on that? And on or do you have a, a stance on that?
3: Yeah, I think like the, the first step is is visibility, providing visibility into what data do companies know about me, right? So like, just think about websites. You go and you say like, accept all cookies. Like, do you know what that means? Probably most people don't know what that means, right? So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so Signal, for example, I don't know if you saw the story, so they tried to, um, they came out with an ad against Instagram, and the ad was basically um, highlighting all the data that someone would have about, that Instagram would have about you, right? And Instagram mm-hmm. actually banned that ad. So I, I'll, I'll send a link in the, the chat, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. it was basically a bunch of characteristics that Instagram is able to derive about your, yourself and your profile, Mm-hmm. And mm. I think like step one is like us as a consumer being able to, to know what uh, data that these companies have on you and mm-hmm. in a consumable form so you know move, moving past the accept all cookies or like okay to share my data like which is, which is which is
2: by the way um recently Apple I think in the new iOS update they are asking you know allow app um, to track to track Mm-hmm. allow up to track um it, so i mean as you say those things are it's easy to click and just say all right no no tracking and feel like i'm free you know what i mean but is it that people need to pay more attention and can you just give the 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 layman a bit of insight into what actually they we share on a daily basis that we might not realize that we are sharing with um with you know the the apps and so on
3: yeah, so I, I think uh so let's see what someone is sharing the screen right now, but this yeah. is the example of the um mm-hmm. the signal ad um where it's able to figure out all these things based on posts that you that you like, based on stories that you have, uh, things like that. So I think there are like some very clear pieces of data that uh, that are well defined that we know companies track, like location, for example. So I think mm-hmm. location is an example of you know like a binary one where like you can turn location. On or off but uh some of the more sophisticated one like preferences different type of posts that you like things like that uh, those are pieces of data that are currently being tracked right now Mm
1: -hmm. so then as somebody in the field who might be or maybe you have already uh, have to work on something like this is there like a a point where your ethics come into play and, like, you're going to be like, I don't think I'll be able to work on, on this one. And what, what is that point? And how you think you will handle that in this situation? Because now, that's your as likelihood, a you know. As a yeah, so
3: that's, that's a really good question. And I think, uh, yeah, a, a lot of software engineers, like, actually do struggle with that. But I think um, as a software engineer and, like, in a lot of people's jobs, like, you should think with the, the customer-first mindset. And if you're trained like that, like, how am I best advocating for my customer? So customers should be ahead of, of company uh, in mm-hmm. most jobs that you think about, right? So um, with that in mind, like, it, obviously, like, more data is, is useful for the company because they're able to make better recommendations. They're able to sell better ads. But it's not a zero-sum game. Like, that's, there are sloppy ways to do it. You could just collect all the data, don't anonymize it don't care about customer privacy um but you have to make the commitment to, to doing the harder work of advocating for the customer if i were the customer in this case which data would they really care about to make a good decision or are they just taking too much data so that that is an example data retention is another one so it's, a, it's about being a, a customer and a user advocate and i think like. In individual jobs, that may be hard to do, but in, in as a software developer, if you have that mindset, there will always be a job for you. So,
1: what is, as you say, you ought to be a, a, a advocate for your user, customer, user. What is that really like in reality when you go to management, upper management? Hey, I like how this is going, and not necessarily with you. Uh, but like in the, in the field, in the industry, in your peers, I'm sure you guys have conversations about, listen, I bring this to my manager and them say, then I want to hear that.
3: Yeah. So that, I think like those are, are difficult conversations. I mean, not engineers don't have the kind of sway that, you know, uh, some of the, the high ups would have, but I mean, you've read kind of the tech industry of mass resignations, people taking a stand and you've seen that with, with social issues or, uh, uh, fair number of of people quit at facebook over the decisions the political decisions to show the donald trump posts and not and similar conversations believe it or not do happen with 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 privacy and and data as well um and and the other thing i would say is that um there are many jobs out there that that will still value your work even if you don't completely sell out the user and like someone Mm -hmm. said. Uh, in the comments that Facebook is, uh, Facebook, like, we are not Facebook's customers, and that's true. Facebook as a company, they are selling data. The, the people buy data, the customers. But as a developer, you have to think you're developing your product for the, we are the,
2: the
3: Yeah, we are the product. Yeah. We are the product.
2: In, in, the, in the Facebook team of things, we are the product because it's our data and what we do on Facebook that helps them because we are just consumers at the end of the day in the whole realm of it and as you know the whole surveillance capitalism and all of that you know so um yeah there are a lot i would say that our people need to take a little more active interest in to what exactly they are leaving that footprint they are leaving online and i mean it's more a collective thing a societal thing because when you look at um things like cambridge analytica and you look at um the situation with the the with trump and facebook and and the elections and people saying that you know the and collusion with russia and all of this um you know we, you get you get to realize that the in social media especially and the way that they can and i mean it's not really to say ai per se you know i mean people are making policy um choices and how and a lot a lot of this was brought to the court's attention and the questioning, zakan thing, and he there like, we don't do this, but this time you know it's a kind of you know he just staring at them there because he know very well what he's been doing. Um, mm. You know, it comes to it comes to the the you come you come to the realization that right now we are creating the 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 climate for which we can be manipulated by. You know what I mean? And I think people don't realize that that we Up, giving people and you know um authorities if you want to call it that or who whoever has the agendas to use the social media now to sway us in certain directions and then you know you have this whole thing with 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 companies and so on getting involved with governments in order to to sway political thought and all this you have any 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 thoughts on on that whole situation
3: yeah i I would say like the way i think about it is like yeah we do live in a capitalist society that values that, but we're not mm. resigned to living in that society, right? Like Correct. this discussion and or like our whole betterment, like there are things we can change within the system and like with our own behaviors, with our family, within society, right? So right, right. the resignation that this is capitalism and this is how capitalism works, like I, I refuse to accept that as the reality, right? Like.
0: Yeah. I, but I don't know, think you'll live and, a very meaningful
3: life if you just accept that this is the way the world works.
0: Yeah, okay. and, and also to add to, to add to that, I mean, what Dennis, I mean, what, what you're facing in terms of the concept of ethics and whatnot, that is something that, you know, all professions, I think, face. It's just that you face it in different ways. But, you know, it's a matter of separating your position in a company versus what sort of training you have, you know what I mean? So, like, in my case, you know, you're a trained, certified civil engineer. You know, I could tell you when I went to one of the islands in Kushite, they and advised them, listen, this is the scheme you need to protect uh, the ocean. They were like, no, they want a seawall. And politics get to play and they end up saying, well, yes, we're going and build a seawall. But at that time, it's like, listen, well, my recommendation's on paper. So it's always something where you would always advise uh You know, you give technical advice, but you know, what I mean, it's 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 always up to them to decide what really they they want to take or not. You know, because there's always those, those those sort of challenges you will face, but it would always be a training that I think would sort of guide those decisions. You know,
2: definitely,
0: really re- really
2: good insight there, Dennis, um good to know that that that's the way you think about it because um. You know, it's reassuring to someone like me, you know, who's out of the fray to know somebody who's in the fray of it has that kind of stance. Um, at this point in time, we want to open up the floor for comment question segment. And we had some from before that were already there. So we'll pull up some of those, but the other people who have questions, you know, anything to do with um programming, software development, AI, these topics, you know. Dennis is here to answer your questions so at this point we'll ask okay yeah story brought up one here. this is from Nigel John Andre Das he says what's your programming language of choice would you recommend python as a good language for approaching machine learning
3: yeah so i would, de- I would definitely say python ranks uh, like right up there in terms of being generally useful for, for programming very approachable has a good ecosystem and with machine learning like as you get into machine learning you'll you'll Pick up some specialized languages, some specialized languages with regards to stats and you know learning R and things like that. But I think Python is is definitely like kind of the canonical place to start. Um, and I think uh, one one key point I want to highlight here is like don't necessarily like tie yourself down to a language. Like always be kind of flexible in in learning. So like that that gives you so much more power and flexibility. Hey,
2: thanks for that. Thanks for that, Nigel. We all move on to Butch, right? Mm. A, man, a man from <laughs> the year himself. How can mm. a country like TNT, that is still in the dark ages with relation to technology mm. and policy and regulation, get a handle on these types of technology, especially since it's constantly evolving? Also,
0: a <clears throat> long question by Butch. <laughs> I'll take a step after
2: that one. And it's very true, especially the dark ages mm. part
3: yeah so i'll i'll kind of give a a a positive spin on on this answer which is like i don't know the path but um like coming out from the dark dark ages so to speak into like an evolved policy like sometimes that that's a benefit in in the sense that you don't have a bunch of these like intermediate policies that don't work that you tied into like for example if you think of the the eu and this like cook they spent all this time like debating about cookies or not and like All of that, and like, really, it doesn't capture the, it doesn't solve the quality problem. So, kind of approaching it with a fresh slate helps. You get to see what other countries do, and then Trinidad, being relatively small, you could, um, you know, you could experiment with like uh, widely deploying policies, and then if they work, iterate on them. If they don't work, roll them back. So, in some sense, like you do have some advantages in a country like Trinidad. It's kind of a smaller, more constrained problem. Oh, there you go. Moving on. That's lovely. Kevin
2: Babulal, is Google gonna beat GPT three soon? Don't know what that is,
3: but maybe you could let me know. Um, I don't. I don't really know. Is this a, like a chess play in a <laughs> system? Oh. Probably. I, I mean, I don't. Uh, Kevin Babulal probably knows more than me. Kevin, maybe and Kevin
1: could, to come Kevin, back to
3: Kevin, maybe, maybe yeah. you can let us know what that is in the comments, Kevin.
1: Maybe, maybe oh, Kevin is our, is our new rolling. User right now, Kevin. Don't <laughs> tell me
2: that. Don't, don't do it not, Kevin? <laughs> let, let us know what GPT three is, Kevin. We we will be glad to talk about it. Yes. Um. Said says, does AI have a place in Trinidad? What industries would
3: benefit the most, and where should we start? Yeah. So this is a great question. So actually, like there are a bunch of, uh, of trainees of kind of all over the world in in the AI space and like a part of some communities and groups, and then um. That that in the AI space, uh, kind of across the world, but uh, like uh, I don't know if you saw like the article about uh, Patrick Hussein and like the agriculture um, piece that he had. So I don't know if someone could bring that up. But um, but agriculture is one area for sure that AI does help a lot uh, with, and it's kind of a well-established program. So. You know, uh, a lot of data regarding uh, crops and planting times, irrigation schedules, those sorts of things. That's one. And then, like, of course, the like energy industry in Trinidad obviously has um has room to grow out in terms of of AI. I don't know. I'm not that plugged into like the oil and gas industry in Trinidad. But if you think of like predicting where where oil and gas reserves would be, like some of some of the people on this call um like would know and uh, mm-hmm. Known that you know data, more data helps, and being able to have predictive algorithms there would help a lot. So. Well, I think if we did know that, we would be acting much differently than we act now mm-hmm.
2: as a nation mm-hmm. and, and as leaders in a nation. How they what where their priorities are, because I think the projections for that ain't too bright now, nah, brother. Um, mm-hmm. Let's see. Um, but that's just me. Eh? I am not um, Siri. Mm-hmm. So.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Then Dennis, you have touched. This is from Travis Duke, Mikeu. Mr. Mike, who says, "Have you touched Microsoft's Power BI stuff? And what do you think? A lot of
3: corporate businesses in Trini are getting into it." I have not touched it myself, and I've only kind of heard from other people. But yeah, I, I think uh, that's another area of like customer analytics, business intelligence, like into like Trinidad that has a relatively. Uh, diverse like uh, corporate business system, you know, there are no like common systems there right now. So I think, yeah, like using some of these Microsoft, Salesforce type of tools would help. I I don't have that much uh, insight into it.
0: Yeah, I, I, I would say I would say one thing on, on that question, though, that um, while they talk about like the business intelligence, be mindful of what your company could handle. Because what would have happened is many people just want the fancy thing because, you know, it working good elsewhere and whatnot. But when you actually try and roll it out, what you tend to see is that the people are not really ready for it. And, and it takes a lot of time in order to train them in order to get ready for that new level of uh, technology. So also be mindful of that, that, you know, there's a big steep learning curve um, when it comes to, you know, uh, applying and rolling it out on the ground.
3: Yeah, I think to, totally, uh, let's say, I mean, like, I, I think uh, people have to use, you know, their own human intelligence, uh, analyzing some of the mm-hmm. results of these uh, business intelligence mm-hmm. and artificial intelligence tools spread out, right? So. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: so, from Devon McLean, would you be willing to be yeah. a consultant?
0: Point man, mate.
1: 90 <laughs> <Lady> point man. <laughs> to say to come mm-hmm. head this tech in agriculture in Trinidad and Tobago, I guess, huh?
3: I mean, it's it's our job offer? I mean, uh, we us could...
1: <laughs> talk about this after, you
2: know.
3: We're going to fix I mean... it up with the link, you know. <laughs>
1: <Yeah>.
2: <laughs>
3: I'm, I'm always willing,
1: so, yeah. Um. Somebody <laughs> just confirm what GPT-3 is for us. I don't know if me see if I can
3: bring Yeah, back. natural language processing, OK.
1: Let me see if I can okay. bring back the original question. If,
3: if Google
1: if
2: going Google yeah. to beat GPT-3, I I still don't. i still not sure. But again, it's me. I am Lehman. Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah, not natural language language processing is where they try to break down, you know, like sentences and, and language into different structures and being able to predict from it.
1: It's a question they <laughs> I even <laughs> know if it's... We'll come to it. Don't worry. We? Yeah. We'll come to it. So from Bisham, is it possible for AI to build emotional intelligence?
3: Ex machina. <laughs> yeah, so, I uh, I mean, like, part of the Neuralink uh, roadmap that I saw on there is, like, developing emo- emotions are on the roadmap of things. And uh, there's kind of a lot of theoretical research about tying emotions to specific neurons firing. Um, so being able to, like, first gather that data, like, how those neural signals map the emotions, like, that's step one. And then building intelligence on top of that, yeah, I could see it. Possible to build emotional intelligence. We already see like facial recognition mm-hmm. technology that could detect, you know, sadness, happiness, so, like facial cues. So just think right. of that. So I
2: find that um, that facial recognition and, and, and worse said when they find any pictures, you've been the corner of a picture. You can't even see your face good. And I think zooming in and saying, Is this you? It's like, that is me. <laughs> but that's not looking like me. How you know that is me, dog? Facebook, dog. Facebook, <laughs> dog. All right. Um, <laughs> Could Neuralink help Torian become a professional footballer? I don't have a hard one. that
0: one. That one, that, that one, that that one is a real was... hard one. That no
2: one no really need. hard. No Just need for Neuralink, bro. I don't think you I don't think Dennis could answer that. I one. think a, lo-
3: a lot of countries have uh, professional leagues now, right? So
1: Yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh! <laughs> Dennis got Well <jokes>. oh, okay. <laughs> I, I think what you're trying to maybe what I get from that question is Will Neuralink be able to improve people's skills, whether it's not just football, but will he become a better poet? Will he be able to play the saxophone? Will he be able to how how far?
3: You know, yeah, you know, no, more. I think that's, yeah, that's actually a great way of thinking about it. So like a, a bunch of the competitors to Neuralink and Neuralink looking at helping uh disabled folks who, you know, don't have use of limbs. And like, that's kind of the, the first use cases, you know, mm-hmm. like how to in, enable them to, you know either regain some motor control or be able to um do it in other ways to control devices like they would control a hand or a limb so yeah so i think like that is possible. Awesome. A yeah, that's awesome
2: and this All is right. from this is from rajiv and he's very polite he says hi good night everyone could you maybe give some insight into the use of ai in crime detection criminal profiling likelihood of crimes taking place in certain areas and so on is, is do you have any knowledge about that and its
3: use i mean i i don't have any direct knowledge out of like what is uh, other than what's like you see in kind of the film and the, the yeah. like, sci-fi yeah. world but like you could imagine like the, with the budgets of like cia fbi like those kind yeah. of like, <laughs> there is like extensive ai being used to try to predict terrorist attacks and things like that uh how that like Translates to like the police service and lower down in, in crime. Like I I don't know what the state of that is right now.
0: Uh,
3: yeah, but
2: we, we all we gotta ask Snowden. When we have Snowden on, we got Snowden. Yeah,
3: that's a different question. Yeah.
2: Hopefully, we to have Snowden next year. I done reach out to him. <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um. Let's see what else we have here. Yeah,
1: let's have a more questions. Upload now.
2: skills. I know kung fu. I think maybe higher up we might have some, but let's just get get some some data here on. GPT-3, given any text prompt like a phrase or a sentence, GPT-3 returns a text completion in natural language. Developers can program GPT-3 by showing it just a few examples of prompts. We've designed the API to be both simple for anyone to use, but also flexible enough to make machine learning teams more productive. So is um you know what I what I think he's asking too is that the fact that Google has become so efficient that doing so many different things in terms of that have they have normalized like um for example something simple as um, as Siri. A few years ago um and this is just my own experience Siri was not as as efficient as when you talk to Google and you tell Google certain things. Siri, you need you needed to speak to Siri like a, like you had to put an accent or something in order to get through to Siri. You know whereas mm-hmm. Whereas Google itself, you know, was just we ahead of it in terms of voice recognition and all that. So I don't know if, if he's talking now about predictive, like, um, you know, predictive. Uh, right when you're what, when writing and so on, predictive text, that kind of thing, is it like that?
3: I don't know. Yeah, so I, I think from what from what's being said, yeah, like the natural language processing is like kind of all aspects of that, like being able to predict text given like some prompt or being able to interpret a question. Um, so yeah, um, yeah. Actually, my my brother worked a little on the Google Assistant team. Mm.
1: So, nice. What was that experience, man?
3: Right? Ah, uh, I don't know. You have to ask him. I think
2: Is
1: Yeah. No, but
2: but no, but your your brother work with with Google. Yeah, he's at Google Look, right oh, now. Oh, yeah. so he in the in the fray too
0: in the family in the free
1: you no. talking to our, our robot overlord right now, right, right now.
2: <laughs> i i see i see, I see the, they they have something up their sleeve man
0: um <laughs> But then, right. Dennis, Dennis, one, one question uh, in, in relation to like what they're talking about comparing Google with the GPT-3 and whatnot, that is on the software side of the conversation of progressive AIs. In terms of the future of AIs, how much you think hardware restricts that? Because I hear them talk a lot about at that level of AI, you would need like quantum computing um, and quant- advanced quantum computers. But the problem is they haven't figured out a good way to keep those computers cool what do you think is, is it that there's, there would be a hardware restriction at some point in time?
3: Yeah, I think definitely, like, uh, like if you dig deep into the Neuralink, like, one of the impressive things is, like, just how small they were able to make this chip with, like, how many uh, how many sensors they have in it. But, like, to get it to the point where you have a, a big enough number of sensors and then being able to process data locally, you want to be able to process as much data locally as possible, so that you can make a decision, um, as opposed to you know sending it off to the cloud, or something like that. So definitely, like I th- I think you're exactly right in the sense that like we will have to get to something like quantum computing for these very tiny, embeddable devices to be able to work on their own. Mm. Fair enough.
1: Uh, I think last question for the night: How has virtualization in the workplace changed in the last year? Has the tra- trajectory of the tech accelerated since COVID lockdown and people come out of office and running home machines away from the office infrastructure?
3: Yeah, this is, this is a great question. So like working at, at VMware, that's kind of like what we specialize in is like virtualization in, in the workplace. Um, so yeah, there's definitely been advances in terms of like obviously like the, the tools that that we all know, like Zoom and, and the video conferencing, but I think there have been a lot of advances in uh being able to have a a virtual desktop and having that be uh widely usable and kind of across all industries but even in the, the tech industry like how do i set up technology products on my computer and be able to have that be able to do the work that i need to do um that i would have otherwise done in the office so whether that's like controlling some piece of hardware or having control and a server, different things like that. So definitely ac- accelerated.
1: OK, fair enough, fair enough. And me, myself, so like, might be a weird question, but software AI, this is your career for life now? Or you think you might ever do something different? You might get fed up with it. This is your passion. What are you thinking?
3: Uh, I think the run for prime minister
1: no
3: No, i think uh for for me like yeah it it is a career it's it's like one interest but i think a lot of these skills transferable being able to break down a problem analyze it come up with solutions like uh you all will kind of see the trends in that. So as, as you know, you talk about different topics, you're able to analyze it. So uh, right. yeah, who knows what what goes in the future?
1: Yeah. Last question: How can we ensure that governments, political organizations, do not abuse technologies like AI?
3: Yeah. So that's that's a great question. So I think a, a lot of the um like one upside is a lot of these AI and technological advances are coming from the private sector and from private companies. So they're not immediately, at least in, in the capitalist world, and in China is a little bit different. Um, but one, one thing is like there is like a separation of private and public sector, which actually helps governments from directly abusing it. Um, but then there needs to kind of be an oversight committee, which, which deals with some of these tech issues, tech ethics issues, and you know, as we've seen uh, in the U.S. at least, different uh, politicians asking questions of, of Zuckerberg and and the Google head and all of these people, like they are very ignorant of. Uh, of the details of this, right? Like we had a much more detailed conversation than people who actually run in the country about these things, right? Which yeah, is it not was strange. So, it yeah. was
2: strange to look at when, when that was taking place. It was like, you know, bo- on, on on both sides too, eh? Somebody, the politicians, they don't know what we are talking about. And then Zuck himself is kinda give off this kind of like he doesn't even know what he thinking too sometimes. Oh, so yeah. um, <laughs> you know, it was strange to say the least. Yeah. But last um, I mean this question, you know it's always <laughs> It's always valid. How do we know you're real? Mm. You could be an AI using a virtual
3: avatar. Hmm. I guess we'll never know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so never well, when, when the borders are uh, reopened and we could uh, we could see each other again in person, then that uh, yeah. will yeah, so. yeah,
2: but then you got you to got, you, 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 you cut yourself and let me see the blood. Anyhow. Um, <laughs> 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 next episode, guys, we are going to be having a um, uh, SOE-focused episode once more. Focusing on the more legal side of the state of emergency and what we can expect and what powers are really given to the armed forces and so on. Yes, we have everything to go with that with attorney Fayola Sandy, civil and criminal law. Okay, she's going to be joining us next week and that's going to be good. So don't forget to share up the live, even if you didn't do it before, you could still do it now. It's still a share as a share at the end of the day. Um, and make, make sure when you guys come back next week to get that share button going. Um, right about now, I just want to add that i really like the participation from the from the um the comments i would say that you all actually took up a greater part of our discussion and it was really engaging other things that me torian and shankara probably could not have come up with ourselves and that is why we have the space here for you all to engage us and so on um i saw frank ask about imagine you having your body being hacked you know well i mean that's what you we were saying you know what you're really telling yourself now or were yourself or <laughs> yourself telling yourself um so with that i would like to thank dennis for taking this time to speak with us um i wasn't in the same class as dennis in in naps but at the same time i don't know if you remember we actually used to go teach agile lessons together at a point um when in standard Mm -hmm. five you have to go to yeah. Teach a jai.
1: yeah 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 your right address on not,
2: not yeah. but yeah that is it's really good to have you man you know um thanks for all the the wisdom imparted today and um i want to thank my co-host torian and shankara you know for for putting this together. I know Shankara was super hyped for this episode. I hope it it it, <laughs> um, it fulfilled his appetite. All right. Um, so with that, I want to tell everybody, have a good night. Yes, we know Dennis has his own fan club. And um, yeah, well, big up now, as usual. I mean, I mean, oh, wow. I mean that goes, mm-hmm. goes without saying, right? Uh, all right, people. So blessed love. Thanks for staying with us so long. And we will see you guys next week for the SOE episode with Feola. Blessed love. All right. Later. Um, blessed love.
3: Later.